Welcome to the Alchemy of Transformation podcast. I'm Anouk, a transformational coach, multidisciplinary artist, speaker, and teacher. And I'm Elijah, a multidimensional coach, a transformational artist, speaker, and teacher. We are two source workers deeply connected with our cosmic origins. We are all about incarnating our higher purpose into our lives and helping others do the same. In our discussions, we will share our favorite pieces of wisdom and tools that we personally use to stay aligned and get the best out of ourselves. We hope that you are as excited as we are to deeply explore the mysteries of the multiverse. Are you ready? Let's dive. Greetings, beautiful star being. Thank you for being with us and sharing your time and energy with us. We certainly are allying ourselves that this conversation is uh, has filled with treasures and offerings that support you in your own alchemy of transformation. Mm -hmm, totally. And today we decided to talk about shadow work, which um, doesn't sound like the most exciting part of the alchemy of transformation, but that is crucial. And alchemy is about transforming the lead into gold. So, so there is there is a big part of the alchemy of transformation that go through shadow work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, working through what seems to be dark and perhaps unfriendly territories, maybe scary territories, mm -hmm. and turning it into kingdoms filled with lights and and filled with light and and our most clean of awarenesses and consciousness mm -hmm. I, I want to compare it to transforming compost what we consider to be done and death and perhaps stinky perhaps it smells like who but yet when applied the right transformation processes it turns into what feeds soil what feeds nutritious food and plants and all these ecosystems actually that is a healthy soil so transforming the parts of us that is that we've put aside that we, we didn't want to deal with that we didn't even see that we didn't even acknowledge and turning that into uh our most empowered self-knowledge mm-hmm mm-hmm Yeah, and I suggested that we could talk about it today because I felt for myself in the past few weeks that shadow work was pretty much necessary and that I was resisting it. Mm. And I, I've noticed it because I I was in that like intention and I, I, I'm constantly, I am constantly in that intention to connect with my greatness, to connect with my higher self, to connect with my high, highest potential. But anytime that I, I aimed to connect with my light, I found myself pulled back into 
anger and resentment and sadness and I I threw that like back and forth um in their in their travel I could notice that there was something that needed to be addressed because if if I want to connect with higher frequencies and I can't stay there it's that there is there is some stories and some shadow work that needs to be done in order to to be able to connect with those higher frequency with more fluidity uh-huh yeah yeah it's great that uh you offered this subject as as it is alive in you in these days and in me for sure also and it, it's it's important to 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 be in the pulse of life so thank you for bringing this forward um yeah i i feel Let's clarify what shadow is and what shadow work is, just to all be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel that it, it is more and more of a common concept and kind of word that is recognized as necessary. But for sure, we need to to be clear about what we are talking about. Yeah, what are we talking about? Yes. <laughs> so first of all, what is a shadow? Um, period. A shadow is a place where the light can't reach, where there is a block to light. An obstacle. Yeah. (laughs) So shadow work is the work of looking at what is stopping the light? What is this obstacle? Mm -hmm. Inside of us. Yeah. The trickiest part about shadow work, as I said, is that we resist it and the more and the more we resist it the more energy goes into it and we 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 create monsters we create gremlins um and this is normal because it's it's not it's not the nice stuff because what what our shadow uh is made of first of all our shadow is a part of our unconscious Um, and it's called shadow because we don't want to look into it and what is into it what's your call Uh uh-huh what what is our shadow made of well it's 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 made of us it's it passes through us and we are spiritual beings in a physical body that creates emotions and thinks about things through our mental body and and so our the piece of us of our shadow it's aspects of our subconscious like you say um but it's beliefs about ourselves it's opinions and judgments we've created about ourselves that reflect upon the world that we see and and it's emotional clumps clumps of emotions that live together and as you because it's in the shadow it's because it's things that we don't really want to look at so it even has layers of protection around it when we get close to it there's probably a mental or emotional aspect that go ooh, don't go there Ooh, that makes us mad we don't want to think about that oh no this makes us look ugly we are such beautiful people we're not going to touch this we're not really that thing like we have all these mechanisms that make us dodge looking at it Mm-hmm. For the longest time where it's even in our subconscious and our unconscious, because we have these patterns keeping us away from seeing that we even have it. So that's why it's in the shadow. It's even like part of our blind spots mm-hmm. until we see cues 
and we've made the commitment like, oh, you know, in life I want to grow and I want to expand beyond my limitations. And then like, poof, we fall upon something that shows us, ooh, I'm limited. Like, look at me being so angry at this person or being so judgmental of myself or, or being like angry at my parent for having this pattern when I'm starting to notice that pattern within me too. And um, like our way to work with shadow isn't to be like, Pa, pa, pa. I'm going to start looking at shadow. And then how do we find shadow? We have to find the clues, the mm-hmm. cues. And, and like I said, noticing limiting beliefs or judgments or, or blame, or um, one that we talk a lot about with Anouk is, is our shame and our guilt. Mm-hmm. Having shame and guilt about something is a big telltale sign that there's shadow work to be done soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in my own experience, shame and guilt were covered by sadness and anger. Mm. So I had to do a lot of therapy work to go through my sadness and go through my perception of being a victim and eventually touch my shame which is a belief and feeling of being unworthy and recognize that this perception of unworthiness was keeping me in that loop of manifestation of bringing to me relationships that would reflect to me that I was unworthy and address that belief within myself as a vibe like having a vibrator vibratory quality and and as a channel to bring more of this but it was it was years before being able to address that shame because because it's hard yeah it has this magnetic feel that pushes away from it like it it doesn't want to be busted out it does it just wants to live its own thing as within our us within us and um it really takes a desire to grow to to have the courage to go towards it to go towards that thing that is pushing us away through shame and yeah the um, the way you expressed it I think I really got in touch with how it manifests through us and as us and and we create our life through these inner positions. So if if I carry a certain shame or blame, like if I'm a bit of ashamed about myself or I'm not, I'm not feeling worthy, I'm not feeling worthy. But it's but I'm not aware of it. The reason why I'm not feeling worthy, the only re, the only way I can know is by looking at it. But why am I not feeling worthy? Oh, this event happened, and that event happened, and that event happened, and I made a conclusion mm-hmm. at those moments. I was in the emotional state that I was. I felt maybe powerless or I felt unseen or I felt hurt, whatever the situation. And then I took that experience, that emotional, mental experience, spiritual experience, physical experience. And I took a snapshot and I said, poof, that's reality. Mm -hmm. And I created a body of, of memories, of crystallized memories that show all the moments where I'm not feeling worthy. And because I don't want to be aware that I'm not worthy, I'm just going to push that to the side a little bit and not notice that I'm driving my life from this inner position of I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. And we don't notice and, until we go and do the work. 
Yeah, because it's the work of the ego to protect ourselves. And as it's so uncomfortable to be in touch with this feeling of unworthiness, there, there is all kind of defenses that we put on top of it so we can function in the world without, without carry all the time that energy of I am no good because it's unbearable, but yeah. it's, it's still very much alive in the shadow and it keeps impacting the kind of results we create for ourselves in relationship and work and whatever. Yeah. 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 So the, sometimes I see it like a program or a muscle, a, a psychological muscle that took on a certain habit and like to break the habit of feeding the body that says I'm not worthy to break that habit we need to feel that body deeply of I am not worthy and and identify that it is there as opposed to pretend it's not there and Mm -hmm. to identify that it is there is to have a foot in neutral awareness and in the observer and a foot in the in feeling 100% I'm not worthy and to feel the anger the sadness the memories like to 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 go through that body but this time with the light of consciousness the light of awareness Mm -hmm. the light of self-love the light of I am worthy of feeling more space more light and so I am so worthy that I'm going to give that to myself because nobody else but me can give that to me and that is that act changes the pattern changes the electromagnetism of the emotion and how and it teaches our subconscious yo by the way we got a new thing happening now every time we're gonna every time we feed the i'm not worthy body i want an alert i want a notification and i want you to show me right now i just fed that body of unworthiness so i can look at it and Mm -hmm. at that moment change the program change the pattern say you will wait a second no 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 I don't accept that when this friend of mine makes that comment which is just a joke and it's a joke we've been making for decades about how bad I am at doing that thing when that's not actually true I'm not that bad at doing that thing I I, I actually been learning or whatever bust those all those little moments where we're feeding that body and be like wait a second that that's that's not what I'm up to anymore mm-hmm. and and shift that um and like what we just described, you know, from I want to know, but I don't. Oh, I see a pattern. I see a cue and I'm curious. Whoa, I'm passing through the first layers of emotions that said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go there. Oh, fuck. I've passed through the emotional bouncer or judgment bouncer who is trying to kick me out of my path. Now I am in the belief. I am in the I am not worthy emotion or whatever it is that we're busting through. We have to pass through the emotions of that because underneath we love ourselves and we know we are worthy and we have to sit in that knowing I am worthy. And then we have to bust the patterns that keep that going as quickly as possible. So that whole thing that I just described is a process that can take years at first, years of therapy, like you said. But the goal is that if we keep going, it can take seconds. It eventually gets to a loop of multiple seconds. Hmm. Mm. yeah and what came to mind as you were talking is that this is so huge that sometimes I mean in our daily life if we take that posture of the 
benevolent observer, we can catch ourselves and just reframe our thoughts and like work with affirmations. And it's, it has its value, but to do the deep core work, it's very hard to do it by ourselves because when we dive into it and when we re-identify with it, um, we kind of, um, it's a regression to early childhood experiences when we arrive to those conclusions you, t- you talked about. And as we do so, we often need a very um, safe space holder it can be a therapist, it can be a very aware, self-aware friend, it can be a coach, um, but going get that support is, is pretty much necessary so we can live fully our processes and, and release the old energies and be able to create the necessary space to reframe, replace the old beliefs by new one that will serve us better. Yeah, a hundred percent. I support what you just said. And and I have like a couple analogies to kind of bring it to life is like, if you're going to clean your closet, most like if you're going to do a thorough cleaning of your closet, you will most likely take out the stuff out of your closet and put it into your living room or a bigger space so you can, you know, truly look at all that you got in there. What are you going to keep? And can you put things together? Can, how do you reorganize? It will often take a bigger space. And, and, and psychologically, you want a, a safe space with a strong, skilled, neutral person who who will not take whatever is happening to you personal, who will maintain the strong anchor of this has a higher purpose. This holds the anchor of you are a beautiful light. You are beautiful, powerful. Yeah, probably things happened to you that were unjust and unfair. And and I am the holder of that truth while you decompose yourself and allow yourself to feel how unfair and unjust certain things were. And you know that you are in a container of love Mm -hmm. and you can fall apart a little bit because because you're not going to be the only one picking the pieces afterwards there's someone accompanying you and like we yeah that that context of having a bigger space holder is so important especially at the beginning when we don't we're like trying to rewire our self-worth or whatever, our, our, our self-light in whatever shaping it. And so sometimes we need someone who has done the work and who has a lot of light in their field, a lot of self-love and a self-knowledge who can go like, yeah, it's okay to go there. It's scary, but I've been through it. And, and I have a map or I have at least all my love to hold you while you figure it out. I mean, we're creatures of connections, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder how much actually there is a bit of a communication of light, you know, a transfer of light between a space, a space holder and, and the one in the space being held, like, like two sinks communicating energy, water, you know, a bit of the light of the space holder might go into the field of the other one and support the field of the other one while they're building that new area of their field of their psyche of their self-love as you know it's like a blueprint is offered to us without words just by the presence Mm -hmm. and the kind love of the other 
but we still have to be the one doing the work at the end of the day. It is our scary forest full of gremlins and demons. It is our forest. Only I can walk through us. Uh, only the I can walk through their own <laughs> forest. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. But whenever we ask for support, we make it uh, softer, more gentle. Yeah. And you mentioned the ego earlier. The ego will find ways to, to, in my case, stay independent and autonomous. I my ego my ego was taught that I got to get it done by myself, and and so part of my shadow work is to learn to not do it by myself. <laughs> that I don't got it all you know uh yeah or mm -hmm. the opposite which is I got nothing I I am way not enough that <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> a duality of my own ego mm -hmm. another trap or trick of the ego you talked about earlier um was about Oh, I, I already got this work done. I am done. <laughs> I did it. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people who already did that kind of work are going to relate with that statement because I, I, I had the same kind of feeling of like, oh my God, so many years of like self-development and therapy and like going deep and deep and deep and having had the impression that I, I reached the bottom of it. And so, sometimes it, sometimes it, it can be the case that like you, you reached a certain point and you freed yourself of old patterns and old habits and old beliefs. But as life is a cycle, after the day comes the night and it's more than normal that we're gonna encounter ex experiences that are going to bring us back to our shadow to our vulnerabilities and this is okay so it's it's a never-ending work yeah totally yeah we definitely will have cycles and phases where we work on specific areas of ourselves. And they're like lesson plans, modules that we kind of have to go through. And um, at some point we do get to the end of a chapter and we do go deep in one specific lesson and reach huh, a new fiber, a new sense of self, new skills. Um, and then we can go on and move on to the next module. And then months or years or decades later, oh, we notice that we're on that thing again. And at first we trick ourselves that, no, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm done with this. But um, yeah, it, 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 some things are to come back. It's, it's inevitable. It's the spiral of healing. It's just this time we're going on a new level and we're going deeper because we've learned new skills and new aptitudes. And, and also there's the whole aspect of the first seven years of our life, we're like, our brains are vibrating at a rate that allows us to be in a pure absorption. 
So a lot of our core as adults is based from what we learn from the age of conception to to seven years old. And we just learn so much from our parents, from society, from school, that that becomes a bit of a... Um, uh, a hard, a, a, a kind of a hard drive with patterns that are deeper. And so we, some of them might be there our whole life. We just will come back to them at different times to, to deprogram on a whole new level again and again and again. Um, I do think that we can rewire a lot and that we have to be at peace with what is harder to rewire. Mm-hmm. Um, we are limitless but we are in a body and so it has its own rhythm and biorhythm and, and, and it, in its unlimitedness, it has its limitations, mm-hmm. which is time. Hmm. You've mentioned something in our prep that I think is, is so cool because we often think of like shadow of our projection which are limiting or like um, diminishing but you talked about white shadow Mm -hmm. yeah because as human beings that have millennia of uh old programming uh we we came to be afraid of our own greatness so we have we sometimes we sometimes have like negative judgments about people which is a projection of the dark shadow um but we also idealize some people we have heroes we we find some people really beautiful and and bright and whatever quality we find them uh, positive ju- judgment is also a projection of our shadow and it's often a projection of our own qualities that we are unable to recognize hmm. mm-hmm. yeah so when we get mad at somebody or when we idealize somebody there's a high chance that we're not completely in truth and there's a part of us projecting a something and when you were talking, I was just reminded of my childhood where my father was away. He wasn't with us. And with my mother, it was a little hard. And so as a child, my dad, I would, I projected the hero onto my dad. He is the one who is going to save me. He is the one on his horse who's going to be the hero. And at some point will take me away from my sad story. And once I moved in with him, it took years for me to first of all at like I was at first I began being in the suffering of the reality check between my white shadow projection of my hero father and the reality of him being a a human who makes mistakes and was not really necessarily there to save me but just to keep me alive and then I still had to do my own work to save myself and all that jazz um yeah um I (laughs) like 25 years later, I am now more in touch with my truer, deeper self that can way more easily see the me that created the hero, Mm -hmm. the one inside of me that needed a new situation and projected it onto somebody else outside of me to create that situation for me. Um, 
and how that projection of a hero is going to come and save me, you know, like still dealing with it today, you know, fascinating, not necessarily to my father, but to my partner or to some, you know, some authority outside of me, Mm -hmm. Uh, the white shadow. Mm -hmm -hmm. And so the white shadow in that place feed fed the, I am not enough. Mm-hmm. aspect of me yeah yeah I think that this is what both shadows have in common this belief of being unworthy of being not enough yeah yeah and ultimately there is this strong relationship between the shadow and the inner child um because a lot of what our shadow contains is all those early childhood experiences that were unbearable, that were so hard and painful, and that made us arrive to that conclusion that we are unworthy. So the work for me is really about, about embracing and holding this inner child in love because we were a child we were totally dependent and we needed that protect that protection and that love that we didn't receive at a time so instead of keeping in the loop of blaming and shaming ourselves because we are unable and because we judge and because we project it's all about holding ourselves in love oh, I think that that person is stupid or is not being honest or whatever judgment I have. It's all about, oh, I'm having a judgment and not judging myself because I'm having a judgment, but like with this loving intention of going see what's there, what part of my story I didn't address yet and is still active and see it as this very tender, vulnerable part of myself that needs me to bring light in. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> I'm I'm focusing on the word light and the meaning of that the, the the deeper meaning of that right like we're talking about shadow work and light work this light is none other than our own right mm-hmm. i'm going to speak as the i right now but um just to keep it focused but anybody right like any of us and any i any me is a spark of the great all So the great all the universe, I'm just going to call it God, and hopefully people are okay with that. But I am a spark of the great all God. I am a spark of God light. Within me is this immense power. But through growing up, through the context I grew up in, my aura, my personality, my thoughts of myself distorted to fit my context. I distorted my own essence. My own spark of God was super flexible and adaptive and fit in the way it could and and shaped and morphed itself to fit in the best way possible through the way it understood it could survive. Mm 
Mm -hmm. And I guess to me, shadow work is like saying, I need not to survive. I, all I need is to align with the God of light that I am and let that shine through and let the, and let's see, let me see where, where am I creating shadow? Where am I casting shadow? And so if I judge somebody, I'm casting shadow on somebody. The God of light is within me in loves limitless. What I'm, what I might be doing is rejecting the image that I'm seeing, but the image that I'm seeing, I created. Mm -hmm. I created from my own judgment, my own conclusion. And so mm -hmm. a deep level of shadow work is deeply recognizing myself as, as, a, as an immense fragment of God light. And my job in shadow work is to just keep seeing where I'm casting shadow. Therefore, where is there an obstruction for light to pass through? And, and how did I create this obstruction? And mm -hmm. how can I recreate a life where my light can shine through and maybe that will allow me to see wow this particular relationship or this particular context or situation I created when I was in a distortion of my belief of who I am when I reconnect with my brilliant light a fragment of God self and essence I notice that this relationship is not a match vibrationally is not I have created I've filtered I have judged and and how can I transform that and like we said forgiveness forgiveness gratitude gratitude they're always the keys right and we haven't really talked about it but we talked about vibratory experience and emotion are vibrations mm -hmm. emotions are vibrations so when i'm in guilt and in shame it's an actual it's been you know scientifically researched and and written down again and again like there are specific frequencies that match specific emotions and and emotions like gratitude and forgiveness are higher, higher up on the on the on the on the on on the vibratory charts, mm -hmm. and bring in higher level vibration. Which then, what that physically means, it means bringing higher frequency light. Mm -hmm. it's, it's light that's coming into the body. Like it's fucking mind blowing. By mm -hmm. giving myself self love, mm -hmm. I'm bringing in more light into my being, mm -hmm. more juice for life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but before diving deeper into forgiveness practices, I would like to go back on something you said, because this is incredibly empowering. Um, we, we began that conversation saying, what is shadow? It's an obstacle that doesn't allow light to go through. And what is that obstacle? We are the obstacle. So if we are the obstacle, we are also the one able to take ownership of our journey and remove that obstacle. And how do we do it? By compassionately acknowledge that at a time we were a young child, dependent, and who took decisions at the best of its capacity and closed some doors because it was unsafe to keep them open but now as an adult having those doors closed is is an obstacle for love and abundance and joy so we can on purpose acknowledge our responsibility not through a blaming lens but through a compassionate lens and it's where forgiveness 
is um, is a key, a key practice that allows us to open those doors again. And the way you said it, it just made me think also sometimes like sometimes we're really angry at somebody or something and we can't see how we could forgive them. But maybe we can rely on, lean on the almost physical scientific approach to, to saying, well, I do not know how I could forgive you, but I know that physically I created this. Mm-hmm. I, I created this perception of you and I am opening myself to seeing how I created this. Like, like it doesn't have to be a black and white. Okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to feel into how much this guy is an asshole and I'm going to forgive him. And yippee doo doo. Like, it would be cool to be, to be, it'd be that easy, but sometimes it isn't. Sometimes maybe the first times we sit with that anger or whatever is in the acknowledgement that I have this anger or this blame or whatever. And I am opening to, to being on the path of forgiveness, even if it's not today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of the work of Clarissa Pinkola Estes, uh, mm. the Jungian analyst who wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves. Um, and she says she has a chapter on forgiveness. And she says that forgiving is not accepting what has been done to you forgiveness is free yourself from what has been done to you and cultivating anger and resentment keeps that experience active so it's not about the other and and accept what the unacceptable because a lot of people live unacceptable experiences of abuse and violence and abandonment and stuff so it's not about saying this is okay you did this to me it's about freeing yourself from the old experience so you are front to a blank page and you can rewrite the story for yourself beautiful yeah yeah I love this this conversation we're having because without purposefully doing it, I think we just keep going back to at the end of the day, we're the the creator. We decide at the end of the day, it's about my freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and yes, we are interconnected. And yes, I wish you, you freedom too. But the best way I can create your freedom is by freeing you from all my projections upon you as I free myself from the stories I've created and the charges I've created and the emotions and expectations or whatever from these stories with you. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, in Buddhism, they, they have this thing, you know, uh, may all beings be happy and free. And, and I love that. And when they say they speak of freedom, there's so many ways to see it, but I think one big way is free from, from the distortions of their mind and the distortions of their emotions so they can be free and just really more connected to to the true to to the moment the present moment as it is with less and less filters yeah yeah free free to be Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so maybe we could conclude with um, with the power of the Ho'oponopono practice, which is a nice guideline for forgiveness practice. So the Ho'oponopono, probably a lot of people will know it, but it's basically those four statements of our affirmation, which are, I... Um, I'm sorry, I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. Um, please forgive me. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Uh-huh. Cool. And it's it's and they don't have to be in that order specifically. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. and, and it's nice to see it as saying it to ourselves it's it's super useful in our relationships but as we said if our if our tensions or conflicts or problems in, in relationships come from our projections it's always like the easiest and fastest path is always go see inside where did I created it and have this forgiveness practice with ourselves and with our inner child. Yeah. I, I think, right, um, Onopono was this doctor, this dude who went to the jails to do some work with the inmates. And he, was it teaching meditation? I can't remember. But from what I remember of Onopono, it was created from his own sense of seeing these criminals, quote-unquote criminals, and seeing himself in them and seeing his own need to ask them for forgiveness. And like, he would spend a lot of time saying these these sentences internally in, and focusing them on one inmate at a time. And, and like, I think he actually got results of seeing these inmates elevating consciousness and liberating themselves and stuff like that. Mm. So... Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that story. That's that's inspiring. Yeah. And you shared with me another one that's very similar. Oh, yeah. I kind of made it up on the spot, but it was um, like, I, I see you. I love you. I release you. Mm. So if, if I de- deconstruct it a little bit I see you to me is this like radical honesty of in that logic that we don't want to see our shadow and we put a whole bunch of like defenses and protections with our ego I see you is just I recognize that you are there I love you is like holding those tender and vulnerable part of ourselves that made it up in order to protect ourselves at the time I love you and I release you it's recognizing that it's not actual anymore it's not serving me anymore and I let you go I create space for new life to come in beautiful I love it Hmm. Hmm. well um We've shared a lot and we could share way more, mm-hmm. um, but we'll, we'll let that settle. Um, I guess the reminder is that you're still the sovereign creator of your life, even though you're co-creating it with others. Mm-hmm. And shadow work is about taking radical ownership of who we've created ourselves to be and how it's created our world. Mm-hmm. And 
and taking our power into channeling awareness, love, release in places where we kind of held on to something from a distortion, from a misunderstanding mm -hmm. and releasing it and creating something new and accepting it. Like the first step is accepting, 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 accepting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that by getting support and having this like self-love standing point, it can be softer. It doesn't have to be hard and painful work. Yeah. And if you are looking for um, therapy or things that support you in that process, um, uh, Anouk is definitely highly probably available for you if, if, if she's not too full in all her projects. Mm. Um, and also core energetics is a type of therapy that is just amazing to deal with shadow work and liberating emotions and all sorts of stuff. Uh, radical aliveness is another one. Uh, which is a baby, a, a spring, a sprout, a sprout, a branch off of core energetics. Uh, all of this is in the lineage of Jung and Periakos and all sorts of amazing, uh, Reich also, all sorts of amazing psychotherapists and body workers, energy workers, uh, people who have understood the movement of energy as emotion through the body, as all of these psycho-spiritual maps blah, 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 me babble, babble words to make myself look interesting. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, core energetics and radical aliveness are really powerful tools. And um, Anouk and I are, are in those trees or we are branches of that tree. We work a lot with those energies and uh, those um, maps, maps, mind maps. I don't know how to put it. So love you. Mm -hmm. reach out if you need it and we're gonna we're gonna be happy to direct you towards the best resources for yourself oh yeah okay so see you later alligator bye guys hey wasn't that interesting what did you think we certainly hope that something opened up for you and that you know and love yourself even more. We surely want to witness your insights and transformation, so please share with us what you got out of it. You'll find our social media links in the description. Stay tuned for the next Alchemical Conversation. Take care, beautiful star being. <laughs>